Let's continue worshiping the Lord with prayer. You know Psalm 23 very well. As we sang this morning, he leadeth me. Psalm 23 specifically shows us how he's going to lead us through good times where things will be pleasant for us in our faith. And then he's going to lead us sometimes through hard times. That's verse 4. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So maybe this morning you do find yourself in one of those darkest valley type moments in your life. Why don't you pray? Ask for God's leadership. Ask that you could clearly see him and follow however he's directing you. Maybe someone else in your life that's close to you is going through one of those seasons. Pray for them that they would see Christ clearly and that his light would lead them. Spend just a minute personally in prayer to God. Father, I pray for someone who is facing a really difficult challenge in their life. Maybe they're tempted by something. Maybe they're suffering in some way. Lord, I pray that you'd uphold them with your righteous right hand. I pray that they would intentionally turn to you in faith and trust with whatever they're facing and dealing with. And I pray that you in their life would get the victory. As you work personally in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, I I pray that this morning's message from the scriptures, Lord, would speak very personally to all of us. Let it lift up the name of Christ. Let it help those of us who are in relationship with him, walk closely to him. Let it help those who are not yet in a relationship with Christ begin that relationship this morning. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Well, if you follow sports, and even if you don't, you're going to recognize the name Michael Jordan arguably the greatest basketball player who has ever played the game. He led the Chicago Bulls in the 1990s to six 
NBA championships. And if you watched the NBA and if you watched the Chicago Bulls play back in the 90s, and you're probably going to recognize other players on the team. Scotty Pippen, Horace Grant, Steve Kerr, who is a coach himself now in the NBA. But what about another player that was on some of those championship teams? His name was Dickie Simpkins. And while he played professional basketball for 12 years, he was on the Chicago Bulls team for three of those, winning three championships. While he played all of those years professionally, when he was with the Bulls for two of those seasons, he never got in the game. For the third season, he played less than 20 games. But here's the truth. It doesn't matter how much playing time Dickie Simpkins got for the Bulls. Doesn't matter how many rebounds he had, how many points he scored. He was on the roster. And along with all of the other players on those championship Chicago Bulls teams for those three years, he can say, I am a three-time NBA champion. Today, we're going to learn an important truth called union with Christ. How through faith in Christ, we are united to him. And as far as salvation goes, it doesn't matter how many sins we've committed. All that matters to God for our salvation is if we are united to Christ. Do we belong to him? And one of the best illustrations in all of the Bible for someone being united with Christ, union with Christ, happens to be Noah's ark. Noah built an ark, and it was through the ark in the flood of God's judgment that the ark, they were in the ark, keeping Noah safe, keeping his family safe, keeping the animals safe and secure. So today, God has given us a new ark, a, a better ark to keep us safe from the coming judgment of God. And that is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the true and better ark of God. And it's in him, if we're united in Christ and through Christ, that a person can be saved. If you have your Bible app or Bible, I invite you to open up to Genesis chapter 7 so that you can read along there with me this morning. And we're going to read the whole chapter of Genesis chapter 7. Then the Lord said to Noah, 
Enter the ark, you and your household, for I have seen that you alone are righteous before me in this generation. You are to take with you seven pairs, a male and its female, of all the clean animals and two of the animals that are not clean. A male and its female and seven pairs, male and female, of the birds of the sky in order to keep offspring alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will make it rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights, and every living thing I have made, I will wipe off the face of the earth. And Noah did everything that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood came and water covered the earth. So Noah, his sons, his wife and his son's wives entered the ark because of the flood waters. From the clean animals, unclean animals, birds, and every creature that crawls on the ground, two of each, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark, just as God had commanded him. Seven days later, the flood waters came on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the sources of the vast watery depth burst open. The floodgates of the sky were opened, and the rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On the same day, Noah, along with his son Shem, Han, and Japheth, Noah's wives and his three sons' wives, entered the ark with him. They entered it with all the wildlife according to their kinds, all livestock according to their kinds, all the creatures that crawl on the earth according to their kinds, every flying creature, all the birds and every winged creature according to their kinds. Two of every creature that had the breath of life in it came to Noah and entered the ark. Those that entered, male and female, of every creature entered just as God had commanded him. Then the Lord shut him in. The flood continued for 40 days on the earth. The water increased and lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth. The water surged and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. Then the water surged even higher on the earth, and all the high mountains under the whole sky were covered. The mountains were covered as the water surged above them more than 20 feet. Every creature perished. Those that crawl on the earth, birds, livestock, wildlife, and those that swarm on the earth, as well as all mankind. Everything with the breath of the spirit of life in its nostrils, everything on dry land died. He wiped out everything that was on the face of the earth, from mankind to livestock to creatures that crawl to the birds of the sky. They were wiped off the earth. Only Noah was left and those that were with him in the ark. And the water surged on the earth 150 days. This is God's holy word. So the day had finally arrived for Noah and his family to enter into the ark. And just as God had promised, the flood waters began to come. God gave him the command, enter the ark and all of your household. God was going to send a worldwide flood that was going to destroy absolutely everything. You heard, as we were reading, that's emphasized several times. God wiped off 
the face of the earth, every creature with the, the breath of life in it, um, off, the face of, off the face of the earth. Mankind, all the animals, all the wild, wildlife perish. All this was because they had grieved the heart of God so deeply. Mankind had continually gone their own way. Sin is breaking God's laws, and they were continually breaking God's laws. They had no regard for God in their lives at this time. Only Noah, out of all the people who were living at this time, was trusting in God. He was living a life of faith and obedience. He was a, a righteous man, as we're reminded here in this chapter. And it was through him that God chose that he was going to preserve not only mankind, but also the animals. God had commanded him to build the ark. And he somehow brought all the animals to Noah in their kinds, in pairs, male and female. We aren't told exactly how that happened, what was Noah's part in the animals coming, how, we don't know. We don't, we don't know also how they were preserved on the ark. We just know what happened here. We know that they were kept alive. They were kept secure in the ark. And this account is given as, as history. This account isn't some child fable. This isn't a make-believe story. All with the animals, Noah and his family went into the ark. Then we're told that sentence, God shut him in. Seven days later, the flood waters came. And it was a violent, cataclysmic, world-ending event. The rains poured down like no one had ever seen before. And then we're, we're told somehow underground reserves of water split the ground open and the the vast watery depths is how it's described here and the whole world was covered with the flood seven days from now i will make it rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights and every living thing i have made i will wipe off the face of the earth we're told again, emphasized again and again, this happened because of God's righteous judgment on mankind. This wasn't just some natural phenomenon that, that took place. This wasn't a localized flood. No, this was a, a global flood of cataclysmic bigness that wiped off the face of the earth everyone and everything, all because of, of mankind's terrible sinning. Only Noah and his family were preserved, and they were preserved because God had chose to use Noah in this way. Only he was righteous on the face of the earth, and it was actually his righteousness that saved himself and his family and the animals. It was in his righteousness that he believed God. It was in his righteousness that he built an ark and prepared that ark 
for the time of the flood. They were able to enter into the flood, into the ark, while the flood waters raged all around them, and they were kept safe there, we're told, for 150 days. It rained 40 of those days, and the waters were so high that the, the ark was lifted up above the height of the mountains there. Everything and everyone on the face of the earth died. Only Noah and those who were with him lived, all because of Noah's righteousness. He shared his righteousness with his family. His righteousness in building the boat and keeping God's commands saved his family who were in the ark. There's a connection here in God's judgment on the ancient world and God's coming judgment on our world. 2 Peter chapter 3 speaks of this, and it warns us about God's coming judgment, his, his coming wrath against our sin and how we need to always be ready. We're, we're living on borrowed time here. Scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing and following their own desires, saying, where is his coming that he has promised Ever since our ancestors fell asleep, all things continue as they have been since the beginning of creation. Well, they deliberately overlook this. By the word of God, the heavens came into being long ago, and the earth was brought about from water and through water. Through these, the, word, the world at that time perished when it was flooded. By the same word... The present heavens and earth are stored up for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Jesus also warned us how at the time of his second coming, when the judgment will happen, it will be much like Noah's day. People will be living their lives, will be eating, drinking, said giving in marriage, basically not having any place for God in their lives, just going about their, their daily lives, but they're much like the people were at the time of Noah. They, they live their lives constantly apart from God. Their every thought was on other things other than God, worshiping other things other than God. The sinfulness of people will increase, Christ said. And just like the flood in Noah's time caught people off guard, they, they did not expect it, the second coming of Christ and, and the judgment will too. But like the ark that Noah built in his righteousness, how it kept his family safe, how it, it kept him safe from the flood, there is a way that God has provided for us that we can enter into and be kept safe from the flood of God's coming judgment and wrath against our sin. There is a new ark that God has made, which he has given where we can go into and find peace with God and the forgiveness 
of our sins, if we'll only enter into it, if we'll only trust in God for it. But we can't wait. We have to be ready. Much like Noah, by faith, was ready, we have to be ready too, by faith, by trusting in God. This ark, much like the ark of Noah, is made of wood too. But this ark is different than a boat. This ark was actually an instrument of torture and execution. This ark was a cross. The cross where Jesus died and and was punished for our sins. We don't enter into Christ in a physical way like Noah and his family entered into the boat and God shut them in. We enter into Christ by faith in a spiritual way. And God hides us in Christ. And God shuts us in. And God preserves us and and saves us in Christ. All of our sins were, were laid on Christ. The people that were destroyed in Noah's time were destroyed because that is what their sins deserve. There is a coming judgment on the world. And all of us will have to stand before God. And those who are not in Christ will have to be punished forever for their sins. Because that is what they deserve. It's only those who are in Christ, who have trust in him and and what he has done for them on the cross that get grace, unmerited favor that they do not deserve, that cannot be earned. It's all because he took our place where we deserve to be on a cross so that we can be set free from condemnation, so that through faith in him, we can get new life, eternal life, and resurrection, and not have to spend an eternity apart from God in a terrible place called hell. That's what we deserve. But it's through Christ that we, through being in Christ, that we get unmerited favor in God's grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 20 through 21 describe it this way, the way of peace and salvation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So there is a message that God has for you today. 
The message is the way of reconciliation. It's the, it's the way of being made right with God. It's the way of, of entering into a relationship with Christ, having your sins cleared and forgiven and being declared right, righteous in God's eyes. The message is this, that the one who knew no sin, Jesus Christ, the one who lived a guiltless and sinless life, became sin for us on the cross. He suffered and died and was treated as a sinner. He was punished there. We deserve that punishment. He took it in our place. In our place, he stood accused and condemned. So that through faith in him, we might be declared righteous. He takes all of our sin and guilt and we get the gift of his righteousness or a right standing with God. It's what it means to be in Christ, preserved in Christ, just as Noah and his family were in the ark, kept safe from the flood of God's judgment. We who are in Christ, who who trust in him, who aren't trying to stand on their own terms, trusting in Christ that he took their place, who are kept safe from the fire of God's judgment that is coming on the world, who are preserved, who are protected, who are forgiven, who are declared righteous, in God's eyes. Here's the problem. Just as in Noah's day, there were so many who were just going about their lives, who maybe even saw Noah building the boat and who laughed at Noah because they thought everything was going to be okay. There are so many who are living much of the same type of lifestyle, who are just going about their lives think they're good, who think everything is going to be okay. And just as the flood caught them off guard in the ancient world, the fire of God's coming judgment on the world after Christ returns is going to catch many off guard. It won't be okay. If you're not in Christ, just as it wasn't okay for the people who weren't in the boat in Noah's time. Because there's no way you can save yourself. Imagine trying to swim in the violence of that cataclysmic event that was the global flood of Noah's time. There's no way that you can survive the coming judgment of God on your sin. It won't be okay. But there is a way. There is a new ark which God has provided where someone can be forgiven of their sins and have the assurance of eternal life with God in heaven. 
simply by turning from sin, admitting you are a sinner, turning from that sin and saying, I'm going to follow you, Lord. I trust in you. I trust in what you have done for me on the cross. Will you forgive me? Will you be my Lord and my Savior? That's the message of reconciliation that we have, that we declare as ambassadors of Christ, that people can now, who were separated from God, can now, through being united with Christ, have a right relationship with Him. Not just now, but forever have the hope of eternal life. Jesus Christ died for us and rose again on a cross of wood. He is the true and better ark of God. And it's through entering into a relationship with Christ that a person can be saved. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul's favorite shorthand summary of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and he says it over and over again. If you read the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he says this over and over again. He uses the words, in Christ. Salvation is entering into a relationship with Christ, going into Christ where we're hidden we are no longer condemned. We are kept safe and secure and assured of the eternal life. Just as the people went into the ark, we enter by faith into Christ. We're saved from the coming judgment of God, the punishment of our sins by simply trusting in Him. Have you ever entered into Christ? Have you ever come to a place where you have admitted that you are a sinner, can't save yourself, and have truly, really given your life over to him? Not just knowing about, but believing in to where it's radically changed your life. Have you ever entered into Christ? Have you ever turned your life over to him and followed him as the Lord of your life? If not, time is short. We aren't promised even another day. We don't know when we're going to die. We also don't know when Christ may return. Why are you waiting if you haven't? If you haven't trusted in Christ. Today can be the day of salvation. It's that important. And it's that serious to trust in Christ and enter in. It's so simple, but at the same time, it, it's so important. Will you follow him today? Will you trust in him today? Let's go to him in prayer. Father, thank you for the grace of God that you've shared with us through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, th thank you for making the way of salvation so simple. 
and available to us if we will only trust in him. I pray for someone here, someone who may be watching this online at some point. I pray that they would trust in Christ for salvation and enter in. I pray for those who have, Lord, that we would rejoice in our salvation and live every single day to be closer and closer to Jesus, to walk with him. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen. Will you stand and I'll be up front. If anybody needs prayer, if anybody needs to know how they can receive Christ, I'm here to guide you in that.